Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and I am by myself. Charlie is not here for the next two weeks. He is in Italy, as we have said several times, so I'm going to be bringing you guys several interviews over the next couple weeks, as well as doing some of the normal live podcast episodes. Today, I'm bringing you guys a conversation that I just had with Matt Erickson, who is the co-host of Wealth, Power, and Influence with Jason Stapleton, and he also has a great YouTube channel with tons of videos on it, having some really in-depth conversations. Go check that out. King Pilled is what you need to search for that. I will put the links in the show notes. And before we actually jump into the interview, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys about the sponsor for the show so I don't have to cut in later on or break up any of the conversation because it's a really good conversation. If you are sick of getting the news where you're getting it from right now, or you at least, if you at least want to know what the biases are on the news that you are that you are reading on a daily basis, then you wanna download the Ground News app or go to the website, use our link, by the way, ground.news slash GML, because what this is gonna do is it's gonna tell you, uh, do you have biases on the left? Are there more people on the left covering the story? Are there more people on the right covering the story? Is it actually right there in the middle and they're doing a great job? Uh, this is a really good tool for you to know, are you being manipulated? by the news organization you are reading this information from right now, okay? So this is not just an aggregator, it's a tool with tons of easy to use features that help you analyze the news so you can be confident you're getting the whole story. Unlike social media and other news app, Ground News doesn't use your browsing history to manipulate your news feed. And they also have this thing called the blind spot feature, which shows you stories that are underreported by both the left and the right. All right, so this is really changing the whole news game right here, guys. So if you are interested, if you are the kind of person who is open to seeing multiple perspectives on controversial issues, that means you're going to get a story and then you're going to see how everyone else is covering this story. Go check out Ground News by visiting ground.news slash gml or click the link in the description to download the free app and without wasting any more time i'm going to get you right over to our interview with matt i love this conversation if you loved it let us know and go find him on youtube and make sure you're listening to wealth power and influence all that stuff too all right everyone enjoy so uh so my name is matt i am a uh, i'm the co-host of wealth power and influence with jason stapleton uh, i've been doing that for i think about three years now and then last year I uh, kicked off my own show with another buddy of mine named Steven Messina and uh, we called the show King Pilled. And right now it's just a YouTube uh, channel uh, and we're, we're in the process of getting it to an actual uh, audio podcast, but there's some stuff we've got to get figured out behind the scenes before we do that. So it's taken us way too long and I'm sure people are getting tired of hearing me say that. Um, <laughs> but for now you can, you can find us on, on YouTube at King Pilled. And then you can follow me on Twitter at real King pill. That's where I do the majority of my posting. So I guess I'm, I did an interview with a, a guy named Michael Corbell on uh, his podcast, the Invictus mind podcast a couple of days ago. And he said, he said that he considers me a philosopher. And so I was like, 
Okay. I guess, I guess, I guess you could consider me that someone who I don't really have any claim to fame or anything apart from the fact that I just think and, and, and talk and say stuff. And then lots of people seem to like what I say. So they get me to talk to other people. So you, you talk very deeply, by the way, you are to me in my mind, when I think about you, I'm like, he sounds like he would be a philosopher actually, because you go several layers deep on, on everything that you think about. And it's a nice contrast between you and Jason. You know, I wouldn't say that, um, I wouldn't say, I, I don't think Jason goes quite as many levels deep on all of the issues as you do. So it's a really nice mix when you're when you're listening to the show. King-pilled, okay, so is that like a reference to being red-pilled or blue-pilled or white-pilled or black-pilled? What does that mean? Right, yeah, this is supposed to kind of play off of that. It was, uh, we were, we were going to start our, our podcast, uh, Stephen and I, and we were kind of like, oh, what are we going to call it, you know? And and I'd, for several years, I'd planned on starting a podcast and I'd always try to think of what I would call it and what it, well, what would it, what would it even be? What would my, my message be? And I was, I kind of followed that train of thought through from, you know, encountering libertarian thought and then getting deeper into it and then getting into the minarchist anarchist debate and then getting, um, being completely um, persuaded of anarcho-capitalism and calling myself an ANCAP. And then it's like, but this, this, this trajectory has continued, this trend has continued. And to where now I got exposed to this guy, Mencius Moldbug, and I, uh, I read uh, Hoppe on, on monarchy versus democracy. And, and I started really seeing a lot of the merits to, or like the inevitability kind of, of, of something along the lines of monarchy. And then started seeing these symbolic patterns of the, the, the king role um, as an archetype um, arising through all different levels of the of social strata. And uh, so from that, we kind of, Stephen and I had been talking and we were like, we were, we were talking about like, like monarchy. We kind of, at first it starts off as kind of a meme, like, 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 yeah, we want a king, but then we're kind of like more seriously, like maybe, maybe we want a king. You know, so, <laughs> so, um, and then that just kind of naturally from a, coming from a Christian background that led me into uh, starting to think a lot more about the, the blends between politics and religion and where they meet and how, how much of it is really the same thing. And so then you've got Jesus as the king of the kings. And uh, so from those things, those thoughts were kind of the things that we were, we were bantering around and, and, and talking about. And, and so one day as I was talking to him, I said, um, I can't remember who we were talking about, but I was like, man, we need to, we need to king pill these mofos. And, uh, and he was like, there you go. There's the title king pilled. So nice. that's, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. I guess if you, if you wanted to have a, like a praxis of what it means to be king pilled, uh, it's basically taking ownership of your life and acting like you are the king of your own life. You're the king of your own lifestyle. Um, and, and the thing about a king is that everybody focuses on the power that a king has, but power is really responsibility. And the, the king is not just the one who has all the power. The, he's the one who has all the responsibility. If things go wrong, everyone knows who to blame. The king is responsible for it. And it's going to be his head that's going to be taken off. I've joked before that the only difference between monarchy and anarchy is a single bullet. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of the, that's kind of how I got to that point. And so um, I think that the praxis of being king pilled is that uh, you don't concern yourself about the uh the big workings you don't you don't get yourself involved in politics until you've con taken complete control of your own life and you've established yourself controlled the source of your income um you're you've created a family you've established yourself as someone who's responsible and capable 
and uh, and is, is taking ownership of your own life. And then a kind of a natural consequence of that is that you'll be rewarded with more responsibility. With that more responsibility comes more authority. And uh, and then that that trajectory, that that trend takes you in the direction of the of the, the ultimate monarch. So um, so that, that would be the, the praxis of what it means to be king pill. So you think that that's the best way to go about actually if we were going to society, whatever that means, uh, if we were going to solve the problems going on, that it would be each individual being king pill, cleaning their own room, maybe if you wanted to right. say it like that, that that's a better way to solve it than say, uh, trying to figure out whether or not who's going to vote for what bill that's in Congress and all of that, that that's just not a way to go for it. Right. That's, that's the putting the cart before the horse. You know, if you're going to get, if you're going to, if you're going to um, start engaging in the political process, it should be because not because you're trying to spread a message because that's not what politics is for. Politics isn't the arena for spreading messages. Politics is the arena for people who already believe in a message coming together and working together to take power in some sense, either at the micro scale or the macro scale. So if you're going to get involved in the political process, it should be because you have a, you have a mission, you have a specific thing you're trying to accomplish. You know, you have a specific bill that you're trying to get through because you have a specific piece of technology that's going to um, going to liberate people from some, sort of, uh, of, of bondage or, you know, something like that. Like mm -hmm. you, you should be getting involved in the political process in a pragmatic sense, uh, because ultimately the, 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 the process itself doesn't care about liberties. It's not a process that's going to be used to, um, enhance liberty or anything like that. You're, you're not going to ever actually accomplish that through the political system. The political system is just a tool that you might be able to take advantage of, um, in various specific circumstances to accomplish your broader goal, which should be above and beyond politics. And so you mentioned being an, an ANCAP. We're also talking about the political system right now. Do you think that there is a hope for a political uh, system that could be beneficial or does it just need to not exist? Um, well, so, so I think that it's inevitable. I think that there's going to be one. Yeah, uh, There's going to be a political system and that political system is not going to be it, it's not going to be controlled by people who value liberty because people who value liberty go out of the way, out of their way to not control the system. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's kind of an inevitability. That's sort of a, that's like a, a shortcoming, I think, of the message of liberty as it is currently constructed. And that's part of my goal is to try to get people to think, to think about liberty more practically or more pragmatically and, and, and recognize that liberty isn't something that, it's not like you can just make really good arguments and magically liberty is going to arise. Liberty is something that has to be created and then it has to be protected and sustained and it's protected and sustained through institutions. Uh, and, and so then ultimately those institutions have power. The people within those institutions have power because of it. And you kind of get back to the same pro the same, your, your exact same problem again. So I, uh, what I would say in answer to the question is, is that, um, there's going inevitably to be a, 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 a government, a state, a, some sort of a, a system that um, wields and weaponizes power. And I want the people within that system who are most influential within it to be liberty minded because that will make the best system. But you have to realize where the actual source of the, of the state comes from. And it's not, it's not within the realms of politics. That's window dressings. The actual, the actual meat of the state, the actual, 
um, the gears where everything is actually turning is in uh, is, is much deeper at much deeper layers than what we actually see on the surface. It's within um, institutions, organizations, the people that control the narrative. So you get the press, you get uh, the, the academy, um, you get uh, right now it's science. Science is really the um, they're using science as like a new priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the majority of people are just going to follow along with whatever seems most powerful because people are drawn to power. So, um, so if you want to influence that, then you have to, you have to influence the, the mechanics behind the machine of power. Uh, and then, and then the politics is going to kind of, is going to take care of itself. Do you think that people always are going to find something to worship something that's going to be like a religion? You were just mentioning science and, and the media and all of that. And I, we had a conversation with uh, the president of an organization called Atheists for Liberty, and he was. we were talking about how government was really becoming a new religion for people. Do you think that's just something that's always going to happen? And is it better when it is actual uh, religion, say Christianity, that is taking up that need for people than if it were government? Yeah, the, the question isn't, isn't if religion, it's what religion. Uh, if there's always going to be a religion, because religion is a fundamental constituent of the human psyche. Religion is is the way that that the the human being engages with its uh, its highest ultimate value, the whatever whatever is the moral direction that you are appointed. That's your religion, and you'll engage with it religiously. Um, this is actually kind of ironically, this kind of general principle was illustrated by uh, a mathematician named uh, Gödel in uh, what's called the incompleteness theorems. And I, I'm not a mathematician. I can't actually understand it. I just understand what people tell me it said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically what he, he used set theory to demonstrate that, um, that every system requires another system outside that system to explain it. And uh, so he did this as a response to the, the, the people at the time, uh, the, 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 the positivists who wanted to say that uh, you could prove all of reality using like math and logic and that, that it was in essence, we didn't need God anymore. It's like, we don't need God anymore. We found math and logic and that's all that we need. And we can explain everything through that. And so what he did is he actually used math and logic, roughly speaking to demonstrate that that's not true. Like ultimately logic has to have a logic. Um, and that logic by definition, isn't logic by definition, it's going to be illogic. So mm-hmm. logic rests upon lo- on, on illogic. And, uh, in the same sense, science rests upon faith. Ultimately, um, every single scientist, no matter how non-religious he thinks he is, has religious beliefs that he can't prove. They're axioms that he just takes on faith. He just assumes them, and then he builds the rest of his worldview on top of it. So, um, so then in answer to the second part of your question, I would say, yes, if religion is going to be inevitable, then the question isn't, how um how unreligious can we be or something like that but rather it should be what is the best religion what is the religion that's the most coherent that's the most adaptive that uh that that yields the best outcomes that gives the best description of reality you know these are all different different things that you could evaluate and uh, and then that changes kind of the fundamental basis of the conversation so now you're doing comparative religion rather than apologetics for, um, you know, atheism versus non-atheism. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought that I've heard you say a lot of really interesting things on that before. And I, I, you might've been one of the first people I heard spending a lot of time talking about this, uh, the government as a religion aspect and it really got me thinking on that. Um, 
There's also been something. So you know, we've been we've been talking back and forth for a couple of years, but we haven't we haven't actually talked that much. And there's so there was something I was wanting to ask you about, and it had to do about the change in direction of uh, of the show. Uh, of you know of Jason Stapleton program to wealth power and influence the idea behind that now well let's keep in mind and I want you to be totally honest about this I have a podcast called Good Morning Liberty and we may or may not spend a lot of time uh, complaining about things in politics quite a bit okay and and uh, now we talk about how you could actually solve these problems or what you should do in your life to actually solve these problems but I want you know I wanted to get in a little bit deeper. Uh, with whether or not there is, you think there's a value in the activism uh, to to talking about all of these different political problems, or if it really just needs to be focused in on you getting your life in order, and that's going to be the way that you solve everything. I think that there's no, I don't have a problem with with people doing it as like a means of entertainment. And, and ultimately I, I don't have a problem with it in general. You, you know, you can, you specifically you or, or someone in general could do whatever you want. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, what I'm going to evaluate is what are your goals? And then based on that, what are, what is what you're doing now doing for you in terms of reaching your goals? So if your goal is to be um, completely free of the state, then this is a thing I encountered is calling myself an anarchist is I say that I want to, I, I don't believe in the state. And I, I have a, a goal where one day I and everyone I care about will be free from the state. But now the title that I've given myself defines me in relation to this thing that I claim to want to be free of. So if I was free of that thing, then how would I define myself? What, what am I now? There is no state. So am I still an anarchist? Or am I now something else? You know, this same atheism runs in this kind of the mm -hmm. same thing where it's like, you've now defined yourself as being against some. So in a sense, your very existence is bound up in that thing that you claim to oppose. So the next question I ask myself is, okay, well, if there was no state, what would I be doing? What would my goal, what would my focus be if it wasn't here? And the next question after that is, why am I not doing that now? or can I do that now? Or is there a way to blend both of them? So for, for you, there's a difference between you and your listeners. So for you specifically, you're someone who is, is you're different than your, your listeners because you're someone who has a podcast, who has a large audience, who has, um, who's made himself successful through what you're doing. You are taking control of the source of your income. You are establishing yourself and developing wealth, power, and influence. Um, this is separate from necessarily the, the, the system itself. Yeah. So if the regime was to collapse, if all of a sudden we were to be ushered into Ankapistan tomorrow, it's not like suddenly you would be without like, Oh, what is, what's the point of my show anymore? You would be able to naturally transition into something else that's relevant. So for you specifically, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's anything inconsistent or hypocritical or anything like that about what you're doing. Now, people who are listening to you, if they aren't simultaneously putting themselves in the position to be the same way, if they're coming and listening to you for the sake of, of, um, you know, yeah, screw those guys, you know, they're the reason that I'm down as I'm going to go to my nine to five job and, and, you know, just complain about my boss and whatever else and go back home and complain that I'm not getting anywhere. Those would be the people that I would say you are, um, 
there's an inconsistency between what you claim you value and what you actually value. You claim that you value liberty, but you're not actually engaged in the process of creating it for yourself. You're just waiting for somebody else to give it to you and nobody is ever going to give it to you. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that that's really, really what I was what I was wondering there because when I heard you guys first talk about it, the thing that I was thinking now, my goal is to actually change. I I want to actually change things. So my goal is not just to have my goal is not just to have a successful podcast where I can be where I can be good and I can have my own wealth, power, and influence. Uh, the goal is to actually change and. When it comes to the value of, say, doing both of these things, I think that these two things work really well together where you need to be able to identify uh, what the problems are and why the solutions that people are coming up with wouldn't work, uh, why there are better ways to do this. Because you could you could convince someone to gain their own wealth, power, and influence, and then they could take that and they could use it for really terrible things and try to help grow the, the state or, or they could uh, try to take liberties away from other people if they don't also have that background of why are all these things wrong why haven't they worked in the past what's actually the best thing for the for the most amount of people and so i really always thought that they could go hand in hand maybe there's a step-by-step -step process like okay this isn't the way to do it and then and then you graduate on to gaining your wealth, power, and influence after that, you know? <laughs> right, right. So I said, I said uh, maybe a year and a half ago or something like that, I remember we did an episode about the Liberty Movement and our our kind of our vision of, of what the future of the Liberty Movement was. And I said at the time that it's no longer in politics. That's dead and gone and over with. And the future of the Liberty Movement today is in three things. It's in business, education, and entertainment. And the, the latter two are subsets of the former. So education and entertainment are just subsets of business. So ultimately, if, if the goal, if your goal is to spread liberty, then uh, you need to be in business of some kind. Because um, once, you, once you go into business for yourself, you're now accumulating the means by which liberty can be spread. So if you're wanting to change something through the political system, it's not impossible. It's not that it's not that uh, it's not that you can't change anything. It's that you're not going to change everything. So you can you can move stuff around the edges, and sometimes moving stuff around the edges that has a tangible effect on someone's life. That actually changes someone's life in real life. You know, when you mm -hmm. when you uh, say like uh, like like the legalization of weed. And the fact that now there are people who won't be locked in a cage because they have, you know, they had, they were carrying a plant. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a tangible win for that person. That person is now going to have a better life because of the legalization of weed. Now the legalization of weed also now creates a whole new avenue of massive revenue generation for the state. So you, on a, on a, on a micro level, you may have given Liberty to someone but on a macro level, the state just became more wealthy and powerful. So that's why I'm saying that if you're, if you're wanting to actually change the system from the inside out and fundamentally completely change the paradigm, you're not going to do that working through the political system. You're going to have to do it by creating a parallel political system in essence yeah. that eventually is so um, appealing and so effective and so powerful that people just naturally you know, they, they're, they're examining the market and they're like, okay, I want statecraft services. Who's going to offer me the best statecraft services. There's this bloated old incompetent bureaucratic corrupt regime that 
um, is, is run by a bunch of, of retarded boomers and they can't, you know, like it's the worst thing ever, or there's this new hip, awesome, you know, you know, hopping thing with this, that's full of new technology and whatever, I'm, you know, whatever the system is, if people on the market have just the existing state to choose from, they're going to keep choosing it until they get an alternative. So if you create that alternative, then they'll choose it. That's the base level that I'm trying to get people focused on. Not how can we work within the system to change it, but ultimately how can we fundamentally replace the system with something completely different? So to do that, you need institutions. Your podcast is an institution. Your podcast is something that's that is, 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 um, available to be networked with other institutions to become the scaffolding for the change. Mm -hmm. So it's good to have people. There was a, uh, uh, this is a kind of a controversial take, but Nick Sarwark and Dave Smith did a big debate. Um, I think it was a Soho forum a few years ago. Um, and when I listen to that, I want to make it abundantly clear that I have zero respect for Nick Sarwark. I think that (laughs) I I, I would not hesitate to tell him to his face. I think he's a terrible person, but I think that he was right. When he talked to Dave, he said, um, Dave, he, he told Dave that, um, he said, um, my job is not, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he basically said, it's not my job within a political party to spread Liberty. My job is to accumulate votes because that's what a political party is for. He said, your job is to evangelize people. You have a podcast. Your job is to do the evangelism. It's my job to Mm -hmm. accumulate votes. And I think that, I think he's exactly correct. That's why he's such a good politician because he knows how the game of politics works. That's why I don't have any respect for him, but that's, (laughs) but he's right in that sense. So what happens is that through business, education, entertainment, through cultural mediums, people are, are, are informed and educated and, and directed toward the, the, the right paths of thinking. But then there has to be institutions that are there for them to turn to. So I did a debate with Angela McArdle um, that just released, I think, today on Lines of Liberty. And uh, a lot of the, a long, large part of the debate, I was asking her, she's like, okay, we're going to get these people in the office. We're going to do this thing, that thing. And I said, okay, so then what? What's the plan? Get liberty-minded people elected, and then, yeah, what's next? And and I I, I don't think I ever got a uh, got an answer from her, not one that's, that satisfied me at least. Of what's next? What what is the plan? Just getting liberty-minded people elected is that's not it's not sufficient because the system directs the people who are elected. It doesn't respond to them. So what's the next plan beyond that? Well, I think what people also in the Libertarian Party need to realize is that. Um, any any libertarians who get elected, they're going to be destroyed by the by the media. Like you think that what happened to Trump uh, was bad. I think he was treated. We can say all kinds of bad stuff about Trump. I think he was treated unfairly by the media. But whenever yeah. you get someone up there who actually wants to get rid of taxes or get rid of the welfare state or anything like that, they are going to see a level of vitriol from the media that we've never seen before. And I think a lot of libertarians don't realize that. They're like, well, well. We can. We need to get on the uh, the debate stage, and that'll fix everything. And I'm just like, they will. They will absolutely destroy you. You think that you don't. You're not hated like Trump and Biden or Trump and Clinton. You're not hated because no one cares about you. That's why you're not hated yet. But as soon as you get out there and you're pushing policies of having uh, no taxation or getting getting rid of Medicare or something like that, they'll destroy you in ways that we've never seen before. 
Uh, I think people really aren't looking at that fact yet, that that's, that's going to happen. That's absolutely correct. And I think it even goes beyond that because a lot of people will hear what you just said and they'll say, oh, well, that's fine. I'm willing to martyr myself for the cause. But there's a, a, a buddy of mine uh, who has been making waves lately with his concept he introduced of uh, archotropism. His name's Popular Liberty. And he's been been giving talks on this concept he, he, he conceived called archotropism, which is basically the way that um, it's the way the state grows its own power is the easiest way to understand it. And it's counterintuitive. It's not what you would expect. And he, he uses the laws of thermodynamics to, to, to illustrate it. Um, so for example, one, one of the principles that he has derived from, from the, his application of his laws of archotropism is that um, Lysander Spooner said uh, that he has his famous quote about how, whether, whether the, whether the constitution um, authorized the government that we have today or was powerless to prevent it. In either case, it's unfit to exist. And he said, that's actually not entirely accurate. The constitution was actually very, very effective at constraining the government, at holding the government back and restraining its power. But what he did is he compared it to um, interest rates. What the, what, the, what the constitution did effectively is it placed a very high interest rate on the use of power. So now... The, the state is incentivized not to spend power, but to save it. When you have a really high interest rate, you're incentivized to save. So you save and you build up a whole bunch. And so mm -hmm. what the Constitution did is it actually made the government massive and powerful because that's the nature of that's this is the nature of how power works this is the nature of how the state expands itself. So another principle that you can derive from archotropism is that the state needs chaos in order to create an opportunity for it to provide order. This is why the state and um, the, uh, the uh, uh, organized crime always wind up working together because they need each other. Organized crime needs the state to create a black market so that they can, they can take over that black market. The state needs organized crime to create a pretext for the state to exist. Because mm -hmm. look, all these bad guys are going to get you if we aren't here. So when you as a libertarian get onto the debate stage and you start championing all this talk of freedom and, and everything, the way it's going to be framed is look, we told you that those boogeymen are out there. Here's one himself. He's brave enough to even come onto our stage and talk all of his white supremacist hate speech here. Here's why you need to understand that libertarians are domestic terrorists and they're coming to get you. They're coming to take away your precious institutions that provide all of the good things to you. We're the ones who protect you and sustain you. And look, here's this big bad guy who's going to come get you. If we weren't here, we just gave you a peek. Like we bravely allowed him here. So you could see, we're not lying to you. These boogeymen actually exist and they're coming to get you. So what you've done is you've just played directly into their charade. You've played directly into their scheme. They have to have opponents to sustain their own power. So they'll create their own opposition if they need to. And when libertarians go get into the political ring and start spitting that hot liberty fire, the way that that is framed is there you go. There's you've just volunteered to be our opposition. You've volunteered to be the mechanism by which we expand our power. This is just the nature of I'm not I'm not advocating that it be this way. I'm describing that this is how the political system works. This is the, the role that democracy is supposed to play in expanding the, the bureaucratic state. So the more opposition there is to the state, the actual, uh, the more power the state ends up having. 
Bingo. Um, it actually sounds a lot. <laughs> for some reason, this doesn't remind me of like the slime from Ghostbusters 2, like the more uh, anger there is. Right? You know, it just keeps right. growing, uh, feeding off of all the negative energy. And uh, so, you know, when I hear you talking like this, it's not exactly uplifting <laughs> to think <No>. about, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, oh, God, there's no way to fix this actually whatsoever, except for this king pill mentality. Uh, that that might actually be the only way to fix it. But other than that, are there actual ways to decrease the state? You can let it, you basically have to let it kill itself off. Okay. That's the, the. I mean, if you think about where the state comes from in the first place, it's people banding together to try to attack a common enemy. And you can get into like mimetic, like like Gerard's mimetic theory to really understand this and the role of sacrifice and all that kind of stuff. But that's, that's, a, that's, that's going deep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the 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 fact of it is that the state is a group of people who've banded together against a common enemy and now that organization has been taken over by opportunistic wealthy powerful people who will create common enemies so that they can weaponize this 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 system um and it's been perfected this this art has been perfected over the course of a few hundred years so if you want to get rid of the state you have to stop giving it an enemy now it's going to keep creating its own enemies which is why you basically just have to wait it out. And it may be that it doesn't collapse in your lifetime. And so then you have to come to grips with that. You have to come to grips with the fact that you're never going to see Ancapistan. That's not yeah. realistic. It's a, and I mean, it's a utopia by definition. You're, it's, you're never going to get to it. So instead, you have to make the most of what you do have. You have to make the most of what is in front of you. And and this is where I, I started realizing it's kind of back to the thing with with, with anarchy and and not wanting to just starting to get really uncomfortable with identifying myself with respect to the state. I was like, how do I, how do I identify myself outside of the state? And I think that there's a real danger when you associate, I don't mean you specifically, just in general, when you associate Liberty as something that's inherently bound up in the state, when, when that happens, it's kind of like you don't ever let the state disappear. It's, it's constantly always there. And then in fact, eventually what would happen is that the goal to prevent a state from arising would itself become a state. <laughs> so this is where you, it's, it's, it's inevitable that there's going to be some sort of a state organization. So then to me, this is actually becomes very freeing because now I don't have to fight the state. I don't have to try to get rid of it. I don't have to play this game of whack-a-mole. I mean, that's the, that, that would require a level of wealth and power unfathomable that nobody has ever had. Nobody has the wealth and power to play that game of whack-a-mole endlessly. You, so you don't have to play that game. Instead, you get to make your own life as the best you possibly can. With what, with what resources you have in front of you, you have the power to make the best of your situation. And then you can unite with other people who are like-minded and you can create a community of people who are making the best out of their situation. And then that community of people can begin to work together toward a common goal. And what history has shown us is that it's never the majority that directs and, 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 and moves a society. The phrase that Nassim Taleb used was the intolerant minority. There's society always moves itself around the minority of people that say, we will not be moved. The people who put themselves in a position to be unmovable or his Michael Corbell, his Invictus, Invictus, mm. the, the unconquerable man. An example of this would be, um, it's not exactly, it's just a parallel, just kind of to illustrate it, would be kosher food. So um, a small percentage of the people eat 
kosher is relative to the population. It's a very, very small percent, but virtue, like anything that's kosher will be marked as kosher for everybody Mm -hmm. because the majority of people don't care. It doesn't make any difference to them one way or the other. A minority of people care and they, they care a tremendous amount. They will not participate. They will not purchase your product if they don't know that it's kosher. So that small minority directs the behavior for everybody else. That principle can be really, really powerful because ultimately um, it's the elites, the, the ruling class, whatever you want to call it, the, the state, the, the powers that be, it's always a minority of people. It's a, a few thousand people yeah. globally who control everything else. They're the, the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. What that should tell you then is that if you want to control more of your environment to ensure the liberty of yourself and the people that you care about, there is a formula for that. There's a, there's a path that you can walk that will take you in that direction, but it requires responsibility and it requires sacrifice. And this is where um, I've, I, as I, as I got to where I was, I was realizing that politics and religion were kind of blending themselves together. I realized how powerful the Christian message in particular is here. And the, 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 the role of, of taking up your cross daily or taking responsibility for your life and then bearing that. What you find is that when you take responsibility for things, when you take responsibility for your own life, the universe has a way of rewarding you for that. You'll, you find that the more that you take responsibility for, the more becomes available to you, the more opportunities you get, the more that you embrace those opportunities, the better you become at fulfilling your responsibilities and the more opportunities that you get. So there's this, this natural positive feedback loop Mm -hmm. that happens. And so some people will call that the universe. Some people might call that God. Some people might say that this is when you, when you obey the, when you follow the will of God and you allow yourself to be embodied by Christ, then God rewards you because you're now in alignment with him. And, it, and this is the natural consequence of being in alignment with God is that you get the rewards that come that are associated with being in alignment with God. So you could think of that on a, just a, like a metaphor level. And, and that's, I think that's kind of what people end up doing is they get uncomfortable with the idea of God. So they take all of the components of that and just pour it over it and say, it's the universe, you know, that does it, yeah. or it's just cause and effect, or it's the laws of science or the laws of physics or, or whatever. Ultimately you're looking at the same phenomenon. And what that tells you is that if you take the initiative if you take control of your own life, you say, it's my fault. I'm responsible for where I am. And I'm the one who controls where I'm going. Then there's a natural structure to the universe, to reality that will reward you for that. And you will, you will increase, you'll get better and better. And that's the path to liberty. You know, what's interesting is if you take this and then you apply it to government as the God or the religion, and you think about aligning yourself with that philosophy, and how would you be rewarded inside of that reality? And what would you need to do to be re- rewarded for that? Is it really taking your own responsibility or, or not? It's, it's obviously not taking, taking responsibility. But it is interesting when you align that with Christianity and then you align it with government, uh, which it's incentive the structure pattern. you create. Right. And this is where, um, to, to, to use a verse from the Bible, he's, um, um, Jesus said that, that um, no man can serve two masters. What's interesting from that is that the implication there is that you serve a master. And I think that, I think technically this is true. I think that you are, 
um, you are born enslaved to a master. And the question is, is that master going to be the prince of this world? When you can consider that the forces of darkness, evil, um, powers and principalities, there's all different kinds of words for it, but you can be enslaved to that and you can do the will of that. And I think that's what the state would be. The state would be the, the primary tool of the forces of evil. And you can, you can be born enslaved to that, or you can be enslaved to your maker. You can be enslaved to the universe. Um, Dave Asprey, the bulletproof guy, he likes to say that, uh, um, he has this mantra that he repeats, which says that um, something like the universe, um, the the universe is conspiring to work in my favor, or something like that. It's just you're like you you set your mind to believing that things are going to work out, and that there's it's like there's a conspiracy to ensure that that uh, the universe works in my favor, or something like that. And when you believe that, if you if you repeat that mantra to yourself, eventually you'll come to believe it. It's the same, the same kind of principle that if you, you get to choose who your master is going to be, you're never going to be free. You're never, you, you aren't born like an empty blank slate. That's just free to do whatever you want. When you're born before you even become aware of yourself, you've already been enculturated into a specific community. You, the world has happened to you before you were aware of it to happen back. So you've already been imprinted upon by the world around you. You have a limited selection of opportunities in front of you. You can't do literally every, you don't have infinite opportunities. Outside forces have constrained those opportunities for you. So you have a limited set. Right away now, the whole idea of, oh, free will, I've, I'm free. I can free to do whatever I want. Just by definition, you're not. So that's, that's almost, that's like not a very useful model for looking at the world. What you are is you're free to choose from a set that's been limited for you and you can choose your opportunities within that. So then in a sense, you can think of this as like, all right, well, some outside force limited my opportunities. So I'm beholden to something else. I'm naturally mm -hmm. beholden to something else. So now am I going to be beholden to the forces of darkness or the forces of light? And, and, and that is when you begin now you begin saying, okay, well, I'm the way that I act is going to define who I am. So I'm going to act in a manner uh, that, that is, is taking responsibility and taking initiative and making myself unconquerable, making myself the best person that I can be, the most powerful, the most wealthy, the most influential, the most dependable, the most consistent, most reliable, whatever, whatever one you want to focus on. When you do that, you now align yourself with positivity. You align yourself with the upward tra trajectory. And if you begin focusing on that, like Jordan Peterson says, clean your room. Don't try to, don't try to reset the entire world. Just clean your room. Take, take care of what's immediately in front of you and then begin building on top of that. And ultimately, I think that the uh, Jordan Peterson talks about the dominance hierarchy. That's your king. Your king is the guy who is the best at that. Mm -hmm. Your king is the guy who's put himself in that position through, through his life, through the way that he's lived. So the king isn't an oppressor. He could function as an oppressor, but then, you know, obviously we, we function under oppressors now. So, yeah. you know, it's just a different kind of oppressor, but the, the King rightly, rightly treated is the man who has proven himself the best by being the most responsible, the most accountable, the most reliable, the most consistent. He's the guy who naturally finds himself in that position. And then we, we can choose whether we're going to embody his spirit or 
fight against it and create our own. You can do that as well. But again, there's just natural consequences to each thing that you do. So you can just you can just look at it and say, okay, well, if I do this, it doesn't matter what my intentions are. Here's what the actual consequences are. So rather than um, than say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, don't judge yourself on your intentions. Judge yourself on your actual outcomes. Judge yourself on what actually happens when you do that thing. Well, I really like the idea of deciding that going back to a few minutes ago, the universe was aligned in your favor, taking that responsibility. Because if you if you play out the two different options and you say, well, I'm going to act as if I'm going to take all the opportunities that I can and, and, and you know, things are going to go well for me. And oh, let's say that you're going to take that path or then you take the other path where uh, you don't take any opportunities because you're scared and you think everything is going to go poorly you're going to end up creating your own destiny when you do that. Yes. And uh, I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, especially when they get into business, uh, they don't take as many opportunities as you can. I mean, this more surface level stuff, I mean, even networking with people, like opportunities of talking to people, you don't realize how many doors that opens up to lead to to other doors. That's why we went to Freedom Fest a few weeks ago. You know, we want to we want to meet. We wanted to interview Dave Rubin and and talk to him and and um and and meet with all these different people who are who are doing the things right inside of our space and then you get that one thing that opens up another opportunity and you take that one up and then hopefully you just keep moving up to uh to this whatever your goal is uh, in life and ours i mean we just want to be the you know we just want to change the world that's it it's a small <laughs> goal but uh i guess i do need to think about cleaning my room first because it's a mess in here I'll say that well, the way you can think of it, the way you can think about it is that you change you cleaning your room is changing the world. Yeah. Because now the world is different than it was before. Mm -hmm. Now the world is the world that it was plus your room is cleaned. And so you're, you are engaged in the process of changing the world, even when you're, when you're just operating on the micro level. Um, yeah. I have to say Dave Rubin is one of the nicest people I've ever met. He's a really, really good guy. And it's cool to see, um, even if, even if he is a, uh, uh, he's his whole Prager, his whole Prager you personality is yeah, funny. Yeah. It's so ironic. It's funny, but, uh, he, uh, he's such a genuinely good kind person. And it's really good to see, um, people from within our community, um, starting to rub shoulders with him a lot more and, 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 uh, be connected with that. Cause like you said, that, that network, as that network grows, then um, the this community develops more influence. It begins to influence the things outside of it. Mm -hmm. I always want to clear clear up one thing is I realized that I, I, I use the word wealth and a lot of people think that that means money. And wealth can include money, but just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean that you're wealthy. And ultimately, the... Um, I started describing this to someone before, as I said, that you can, you can build your wealth in two directions. You can build your wealth horizontally, or you can build your wealth vertically. And, um, and then this is where you get the really super cheesy, like, uh, uh, Tony Robbins entrepreneur phrase, um, where it's, uh, you can either grow your net worth or you can grow your network. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, but that, that idea though, the idea that you can, you can build wealth by, by accumulating for yourself, lots and lots of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you aren't at the same time accumulating a lot of debt, then that may be a great way to, to build your, to increase your wealth. But, um, you can also, you don't have to be someone who's capable of generating tons and tons of, of, of dollars for yourself to also be able to make yourself wealthy with the community or the network that you're a part of where you join, you join forces with people networked with you. Um, 
I, uh, libertarians like to uh, consider themselves individualists and, and I'm obviously all, all my sacred cows are all getting slaughtered. So I'm, I'm starting to question the individualist versus collectivist thing too. But, um, I think it's a false dichotomy. Uh, but ultimately I think everyone can agree that humans are naturally tribalist mm-hmm. and they naturally identify with a tribe. This is part of when you're, when you're born, you're, you're, you're born with a constrained set of, of options of ahead of you. Part of that is that you are born into relationships. So you're born with an identity. Your identity is literally in your name. Your last name says that I am the son of these people. So you're, you're first of all, you're defined by these relationships, excuse me. And then you have your brothers and sisters, you have nieces, nephews, grandmas, grandpas, you're, you're defined by your tribe from the beginning. Um, so much so this, this is so embedded in people that even the desire to eliminate tribalism is a tribal desire. You get a tribe of people who want to eliminate tribalism. Mm-hmm. So tribalism is inherent to the human species in the, in the modern age. Um, this is a kind of a downside of, of things like in like individualist thought and, 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 and uh, capitalism. <laughs> this is a downside of some of these things is that they have, they have created atomized humans who are obsessed with the material world and have lost sight of the, of the, the mystical world that, that is out there. The, 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 um, the abstract things that connect us and, uh, those just, even though they're abstract, they're very, very real. And the, the, as, as we've progressed through, I'm trying to think of how to do this concisely as we've progressed through the rise of technology and the technology has started kind of driving us apart our families, friends, everything. It's, there's a lot of our interactions are much less personal. Um, I think it's becoming more and more essential that we really prioritize and seek out communities mm-hmm. and try to create communities because our, the, the, our health, like our, our health on a personal level and on a societal level depends upon us having strong communities. Those bonds have been broken down a lot um, by a lot of different forces and it's good to see them starting to build back up. People, I think, are starting to sense this and are naturally seeking out um, networks and communities and tribes. Um, and, and as we go through the coming collapse, I think the people that survive the best are going to be the people who have the strongest tribal bonds. Well, tell me, I know that you guys are working on a new project right along these lines. So t- tell me what's going on with that. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, we created a network. Jason created a network and we've just been helping him with it um, called the nomad network. And uh, the idea is that he, he wrote the book on um, the, the nomadic wealth formula, um, which is based on the, on the idea that you need to number one, control the source of your income. And then you need to make that income mobile. This is what, this is really true freedom is being able to control the, the resources that come into you and then control where you can go, where you can take that. Um, that doesn't, that's tangential to the government. You, you can determine that for yourself, no matter what the government is. And so um, that's the nomadic wealth formula. So then he created this, this network called the nomad network that uh, is, is for people who buy into that idea for people who value that. And for people who want to make themselves nomadically wealthy or no, or, or nomads um, who, uh, who want to unite, connect with other people who are thinking the same way, believe the same way and begin to start creating these bonds that are, are, so it's not just for our, for your own edification on the network. There's lots and lots of training and advice and a great community of people who will give you, give you help, give you tips. Um, you know, we've got a great, a, a bunch of, of, it's like a hive mind of people with different skills. Um, so it's good for that. But then ultimately 
our goal with it is that this is a place that uh, people can go to be sustained, that they can go to get help if they lost a job or they can, um, you know, meet with people. They can connect with They move to a new city. Hey, I've just moved to such and such a city. You got someone else on the network. Hey, I live here. We can connect. And, and we have this tie that binds us. Going forward, Jason has some visions that he have a way that he wants to basically turn the app into kind of a collective where people can actually get paid through application of some type of cryptocurrency or something based upon their investment and involvement in the network. Ultimately, we want the network not to be just about us. We want it to be about the people who are on the network. So um, if you'd like to join, uh, you can go to, I think mynomad.network is the best uh, uh, website to get to it right now. Um, and you can get, actually, you know what? If you have a place, I'll send you a link because there's a specific link where you can get a free month. We're okay. right in the process of rolling out a brand new app. We've got a custom app. It'll be on the app store. Um, and uh, I think within about a month or so, we'll have that rolled out. And that'll be that'll be fantastic. So um, if you're interested, I'll just say this. If you're interested, if you want to join, then just shoot me an email, matt at jasonstapleton.com. I'll get you the link to be able to get the free month because um, this new app that we have, will be, um, it'll be free. There'll be a free segment of it that people can come on and join it for free. So far it's, it's 20 bucks a month normally to get on because we had to, we had to charge people to be able to actually sustain the app before, yeah. but, um, it'll be better now. So we'll have a free, a free section. And, uh, so that's our goal. Our goal is we're, we're, we're pouring everything into building this community out because I think that it's going to ultimately, it's going to sustain people through the coming collapse. There's going to be people who, um, who will survive because of connections and um, skills that they've, that they've found on that app. And that's our goal. So that's the, that's the community we're building. That's what we're working on. You guys have a community with it. I mean, it's got a lot of successful people in it, right? I mean, people have yeah. started We've some got, great businesses. Right. There's people there that are doing, that are doing over a million dollars a month in revenue. Um, some people, there's people that are, that are at all levels, people who have just started who, or who don't even have a business who are just interested in being around that community. We've got people at all different levels. And, uh, and so that's, that's, what's great is that everybody can all, um, they're all, all different stages, all different levels, and they can communicate and connect with each other and, and, and help support and sustain each other. Awesome. Well, Matt, I got to tell everyone, uh, if you're, if you're not watching the video, I had to say congrats on the beard and the hair because man, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> are you doing a good job? I need to go shave all this, this joke off of my face right now that's happening but uh, geez, it is just <laughs> impressive. I recommend everyone find uh, King Pilled on YouTube so you can see what is happening right now uh, because whew, it'll make you, I mean, it might make you feel bad about yourself, I guess. I'm not, I'm not really <laughs> sure. It just depends on whether or not you wish you could grow this type of mane that this guy has right here, but it's good. <laughs> It's good. So congrats on that, man. I appreciate that. Thank All you. Right. We're actually uh, going to be doing King Pilled live this afternoon. So if okay. you uh, if you want to go um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, King Pilled, uh, we don't even have a, have an image for it. It's just like the default K that's there. Um, that's how you know it's the right one. Um, and uh, we'll be going live about 1.30 Pacific time today. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna let you go, man. I really appreciate your time. That was a really, really great conversation. And uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. Absolutely. I appreciate it. It's an honor.